We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. What's up, everybody? Hey, before this podcast starts, just wanted to let you guys know it's a little bit different of a format than our typical post-game pods. I had Keith Parrish of Fast Break Breakfast and Grits and Grind podcast come on with me. He covers the Memphis Grizzlies. And so this post-game is a little bit less about the Thunder's massive 24-point comeback against the Memphis Grizzlies, their second major comeback in two games, which is just insane. Instead, we talked a little more about big ideas. We talked about Darius Baisley, Brandon Clark, John Morant, uh, uh, the direction of the Memphis Grizzlies, the direction of the Oklahoma City Thunder, uh, big picture stuff. So it's a little less conventional than our original post-game podcasts. So if you're used to that, today's a little bit different. I just wanted to, to preface this and let you guys know. With that being said, I think it's a really awesome conversation. I really appreciate Keith coming on with me and and chatting about Memphis. So I hope you guys enjoy the episode and make sure you follow Keith on Twitter. He is at Fast Break Break. It's for Fast Break Breakfast, his podcast. So make sure you follow him and I hope you enjoy the show. What is up? Welcome to the Uncontested Podcast post-game edition where the Thunder have just beat the Memphis Grizzlies in another wild comeback from behind victory down 24. They win 126 to 122 and really an offensive shootout. And I have a guest here with me tonight um, from the Fast Break Breakfast podcast and host of Grits and Grind. I have Keith Parrish with me. Keith, what's up, man? Uh oh, do we have Keith? Um, yeah, Justin. Hey, I mean, Jacob. Sorry, are you there? I'm losing. <laughs> yeah, you. yeah, yeah. Sorry, we, we lost you for a second. Yeah, I'm still here. <laughs> okay, awesome, awesome. How are you doing, man? I'm doing. I'm doing pretty good. As good as I can be after uh, seeing my team 
blow. I was honestly, I was booking. Uh, I was looking at, at clearing my schedule for the playoffs in, <laughs> in, in, in mid-April. Like we're up twenty-one, we're cutting into we're a game out of eighth place, and then uh, blew the whatever the twenty-two point lead or something. And now I guess we're going back to the lottery. Um, Memphis on a four-game winning streak coming in this one, yeah. Uh, what well, four or five? We but we don't count four or five. Games. Okay, we don't count the games when John Morant rests. So we took okay. the, we took the L against the Bucks. We're like, you know what? Let's just we'll rest job. We'll rest Brandon Clark. So uh, we've won four in a row when John Morant plays. Okay, very good. Well, hey, yeah, or had, like you said, had one that's four. that's uh, <laughs> that's when it counts, right? So the right. Thunder. Um, this is the second night in a row they have staged a massive comeback. Down twenty six against Chicago on Monday, they come back and win that one on the back of Chris Paul. Down 24 tonight. Come back on the back this time of Dennis Schroeder. Storm back and win. Schroeder's ending stat line tonight. 31 points, 7 assists, 3 rebounds, 1 steal, uh, 7 turnovers is uh, the only ugly blemish on that stat line. Very efficient, 10 of 19 shooting. Uh, and he just kind of exploded in that third quarter to kind of bring the Thunder back. Schroeder is playing the best basketball probably of his career in this past month. Um, Keith, so I know you don't watch a whole lot of Thunder basketball, but just from from seeing this game tonight and seeing Schroeder kind of kind of go off and explode, um, what are what are kind of your thoughts on on Dennis Schroeder? There's a lot of talk around here about him being a prime uh, trade candidate to get shipped out for for more future assets. Uh, what do you kind of see in Dennis Schroeder's game, and what did you see from him tonight? Uh, well, I, that was my answer. What I saw from tonight was, uh, what can you guys get for this guy? Maybe you can you can send him somewhere. Also, my thought tonight was like, why won't anyone stay in front of him? Why won't they? I don't know. Get the ball out of his hands. I mean, like the Thunder, much like the Grizzlies. I, I, again, I, I'm not a Thunder expert. I don't watch a ton of their their games, but they don't seem like to have the greatest uh, three point threats on the court at all times. And so I'm like, why can't we just kind of pack it in and not let uh, just Schroeder get to the bucket at, at will? But no, I mean, he was obviously he was he was impressive, and he uh, he he pretty much murdered the Grizzlies doing whatever he wanted. Yeah, he's. Uh like I said, he's probably played the best basketball of his career this past month. Uh, just just racking up tons of points on on really actually pretty good efficiency, which is something that I was never really prepared to say about Dennis Schroeder. Um, but he just he had an incredible night tonight, really leading the Thunder back. Um, but on the flip side of that coin, the guy who really helped the Grizzlies build that twenty four point lead, uh, John Morant, and so I, I've seen the jaw highlights. Uh, I've seen snippets of his game. But tonight's the first night I really got to sit down and watch a full game of jaw. And man, he is fun to watch. 22.7 assists, five rebounds, really good efficiency. Um, he just he he had the whole kit going tonight, hit a couple of threes. His his in-between game, that floater game, really pretty. Um just I I, I guess. Keith, what I want to do is I just want to give you the floor and let you just kind of talk about Jaw, so our listeners can kind of get an appreciation for what this kid is doing um, as a rookie. Well, John Moran is he's incredible. Uh, as a Grizzlies fan, I am blown away that like I get this. Like I can't believe I get to have John Morant on my team. Like there's there's a universe out there where like the Grizzlies, you know, end up with Darius Garland or the Grizzlies still have Mike Conley. Like, no, 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 we have John Morant and he rules. Like he is, he's probably already the biggest 
star that the Grizzlies have ever had, at least domestically, like as far as his popularity and his interest around the league. You have like the national reporters like Shams and uh, Chris Haynes will just tweet random things about John Moran and like you know. So there's an excitement about him, but he he just has a gift of. Um, finding guys of breaking the defense down of like a calmness, a swagger. Like he, the surprising part for me is that he can score pretty well, and he's shooting a good percentage from three point, like from on three pointers. He doesn't shoot a lot of them, but just he has a good field goal percentage, and he's clearly going to be, um, you know, if not a superstar, I think it's pretty safe to say he's going to be an all star. One based on how good he is, but also how popular he's going to be. He doesn't go two games without having a, a Sports Center top ten highlight where he either dunks on somebody or he throws a no look pass or an alley oop or he finishes an alley oop. So no, the the guy's phenomenal, and right now as Grizzlies fans, you know, uh, we're very very excited to have him. Yeah, he's I mean set the league on fire, right? I he's he's running away. With rookie of the year, I don't think that's even a conversation anymore. No. Even if Zion came back today and averaged twenty and ten, I I, I still think it, it's Jaws Award. He's he's been incredible, and some things that you mentioned there, his his offensive game, just he seems like he has the whole package. He can handle the ball, he can drive, he can operate in a pick and roll. He's great at finding guys um, on. on really some some really impressive passes for how young he is. Just just that IQ level. Uh, I mentioned it. He's got that floater game, but he's also got kind of a a nastiness and explosiveness to him on some of those dunks. Like whenever he put Aaron Baines in a grave the other night. Yeah. Um, you know, t- to me, it, it seems like it, and and you you can speak better to this than I can. But from my perspective, he seems like whenever he explodes like that, he's like a young Russell Westbrook, and whenever he's got that. That smooth kind of pick and roll, mid range floater, uh, hezy game going. It reminds me a bit of a uh, uh, for me right now as a as a guy who covers the Thunder uh, as, as a Shea Gilgis Alexander or a uh, a Dejounte Murray or um, I don't know guys kind of like that. Um, w- would you say that's accurate? That that assessment's accurate. I think when he when he dunks on people, a lot of people get the the Westbrook comp. Um, Westbrook, obviously, he's more athletic and, and more uh, physically stout. Um, I, I think he's more like he also shows with the speed, the up and down. Like he has some of that, like John Wall speed. Again, he's not as physically as impressive as John Wall or Russell Westbrook, but he does have that speed. He has almost like at times you feel like a Kyrie handle. So he has like an elite handle. I'm not saying it's as good as Kyrie's, but he has a very <laughs> I was about good to say, handle. The way we're talking about him right now makes him seem like he's well, a... I'm saying, I'm saying he does not have the, the, the physical yeah. gifts of Westbrook and Wall, even though he is still very athletic and he can jump very high. He's very quick. But he's more of a passer who has some kind of flair. He has a, it's like a little bit of Steve Francis, um, a, a little bit of... I don't know who the other one is. Like, like he's very, very good. I mean, but also, I guess we can balance it by saying, and we saw in the fourth quarter against the Thunder, he, he's still very raw, and he made a lot of mistakes down the stretch against the Thunder. He went to one of his go-to patent moves, which is finishing with his left hand, where he doesn't ever bring his right hand to touch it. A lot of times he can beat big men, where he just seamlessly goes off the dribble and then scoops it with one hand. Uh, and he missed that a couple times, and Steven Adams was ready for it. 
And he also had a lot. He had a handful of turnovers, I think, in the fourth quarter, where he was just a little out of control, trying to do a little bit too much, play a little bit too fast. So he still has those errors. But as far as upside and what you see in year one, yeah, he has a little bit of Westbrook, he has a little bit of Kyrie, and he has a little, just a lot of whatever he is. John Morant, a guy who, I mean, he has swagger. He he has more highlights in twenty five games than like the Grizzlies do in the last ten years. Like, yeah. I mean, it's like he had the block shot on Kyrie in like this fifth game of the season where he blocked Kyrie at the end of the game and hit a game tying shot. He already has a game winner. Like he has these poster dunks. I mean, he just does everything. He has the 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 Jason Williams white chocolate, not Jason Williams, the limo driver murderer. Um, like he has that <laughs> that passing flair. Um, and but he can also score. And he has. I mean, he has that for lack of a better term, the swagger, the confidence, like where he just trash talks guys already, despite being very diminutive. Like if you're around him, he's very skinny. Like he's he's small, he's young, and that's why when he falls on people after dunks, we, we get worried as a fan base because he is. He's like he's he's tiny. But no, yeah. he's a, right now he's he has a very big game. Yeah, he and all that stuff you just mentioned, he's a rookie. He's twenty years old. You know, he, he, he doesn't have the, the body of a Russell Westbrook and, and that those things now, but again, he's 20, like he's going to put meat on that frame. He's going to bulk up a little bit. He's going to gain that experience throughout his rookie year, his second year. You know, a a lot of people talk about young NBA players that their first year is feeling it out. Their second year, typically they make a little bit of a jump. Um, a lot of second year players, I think the Thunder are experiencing this with Shea Gilgis Alexander right now is rookie year for a lot of players. They they play a little bit, but they're not relied on a whole lot. Second year, they get more of an opportunity, and so they have to adjust to that. And then year three is when you really see some of these guys really take off. I mean, at that point, in Jaws' third year, he's only going to be 22 years old, you know, and just, yeah. just <laughs> so much in front of him. He's... Uh, I like the John Wall comparison, though. I, I now that you mentioned that the the speed up the court, the the style of play, the I, I can see some John Wall in him as well. So that's uh that's really exciting. Speaking of rookies, though, another two rookies that uh, one of them made a really big impact for the game tonight. Another one, uh, not so much, but but still did some things. Darius Baisley and Brandon Clark. And the reason I bring those two up is because these two franchises. Uh, traded picks back in June for these two guys. The Thunder traded pick 21 to Memphis, so Memphis could get Brandon Clark. Thunder moved back to 24, collect a second-round pick. I can't even remember how far down the road it is. It's like three or four or five years or something like that. Uh, And then the Thunder select Darius Baisley. Stat lines for those two could not look more different tonight. Baisley plays 11 minutes. Clark plays 25. Baisley has four points. Clark has 27 uh, Baisley, two rebounds. Clark, seven rebounds. Uh, the the only big difference is Baisley had four blocks tonight. Uh, one was probably a goaltend that didn't get called. And then Clark with one assist. Um, and then not in the in the in-game stats, but maybe the, the most important stat here is the age difference between the two. Both rookies, uh, but Brandon Clark, four years older than Darius Baisley. And as this game went on tonight, Keith, my my Twitter mentions just get filled with uh, Thunder fans who are questioning if the Thunder front office made the wrong decision by drafting Darius Baisley instead of Brandon Clark. Uh, and I, I just think the two guys are in different spots in life, different spots in their basketball careers. 
But will you just talk about Brandon Clark a little bit and and what he's done early on this rookie season for Memphis and and kind of what your guys' thoughts and and long-term hopes for him are? Uh, well, first I'd like to start off by saying by you guys done messed up. <laughs> <laughs> Brandon Clark is tremendous. Brandon Clark is very easily could be second in the rookie of the year vote uh, if people watch Grizzlies games. The guy has a gift. Yes, he is much older, uh, you know, than than the other rookies in the class. He's twenty three. Um, he's a solid three years older than John Morant. But this guy has a gift, and he's why. Like, there's a reason why a bunch of like NBA draft Twitter was just crazy high on Brandon Clark because they thought that his offensive game and his touch and his feel would translate, and it has. The guy is leading the NBA, the entire NBA, in an effective field goal percentage. Uh, he hits three-pointers with an okay stroke. Um, he is unbelievably good at floaters, uh, and he just has a, this immense feel for the game. I mean, he's shooting on the season. I don't know what it is. He's shooting like 64% from the field uh, and 80% from the free throw line, and that's with a 40% three-point stroke. Again, he, I mean, he only shoots like one or two a game, but he can, he can do it all offensively. And his supposed gifts, like the reason he was – drafted or scouted highly was because of his defensive prowess and they were like i guess the concern was he's, he's a shorter wingspan he's not as tall as some other centers but no he's an elite nba player he's i think he's comfortably in the top five of the rookies this year you know i guess you could throw in if, if kenny nunn or tyler harrow i don't know pj washington like he rj barrett like i think brandon clark is better than all those guys right now is he going to be better than him in five years you know i don't know is Darius Baisley ever going to be as good as Brandon Clark is right now? I would say odds are, and this is, I'm again, I'm going on probability, not on knowing much about uh, Baisley's game. Probabilities, I think, not probably not. Not a lot of guys picked in the 20s in the NBA draft end up with you know 10-year careers, and Brandon Clark is going to have a 10-year NBA career unless something you know awful happens injury-wise. Like the guy does so many things elite, and I think eventually. We're gonna start seeing him racking up more steals and blocks. Like right now, he gets a terrible whistle from the referees. Where like he jumps straight up, he does that old Roy Hibbert verticality thing, and he's always rising with his arms straight up. And he gets he's been getting called for a lot of fouls. And I think that's eventually gonna stop happening, and he's gonna get credited with more blocks. So no, I'm I'm like drunk on Brandon <laughs> Clark. Like as excited as I'm with John Moran, like. Brandon Clark is more my speed of whatever like hipster NBA fan that I am. I'm like that guy does everything that I love, and if he's gonna make you know 65% of his shots, I think over the last four games, uh, he's averaging. I'm doing this math in my head, kind of eyeball on it. In in 24 minutes per game, he's averaging 20.3 points per game on 71% field goal percentage. Holy smokes. That's insane. So like he's a I'm going to add that up and tweet that as we talk, but <laughs> no. No, the guy the, the guy's incredible and um I did like the brief glimpses I saw uh, of Baisley tonight. Like he was disruptive against the Grizzlies, but like disruptive kind of game changer. Eh, that's nice to get, but you would rather get uh a Brandon Clark. Yeah, yeah. I think for the Thunder um if Russell Westbrook and Paul George were still here, Brandon Clark was was the clear decision to make. Uh, with, with the the direction the Thunder are going, though, um, I I don't know. And maybe you and I have different opinions on this. I think uh, Darius Baisley has a very large variance as far as floor to ceiling. I think he could have a very low floor and a very high ceiling. 
um, where Brandon Clark, that, that window, that the floor is much higher. So that window is a little bit smaller. Um, but I, I, this Thunder team probably isn't geared to, to try to contend again for another four to five years. And that will be when Darius Baisley is getting to be 24, 23 years old. And so I, I think as far as age is concerned, that's a good window for him. Uh, and, and he's shown promise. Uh, he's just, he's so freaking young. Um, you know, he, he just turned 19 right before the draft. So Thunder fans have, have high hopes for Baisley. I don't think anyone thinks he's going to be like a, a multi-time all-star or anything like that. Uh, an NBA starter is, uh, is maybe ceiling for him. I don't know, or, or, or hope for him, but he's, he's got an interesting game at six, eight where he, he can really handle the ball, put it on the floor. He's got a nice passing game to him. And, and I think the Thunder are just hoping that getting him in their culture and in, in their organization to, to really mold him is, uh, will pay long-term dividends. But, but I do think it's, it's a long-term investment with, with Baisley as well. Uh, one more question on Memphis real quick though. Uh huh. Jaw, Brandon Clark, Triple J, Jaron Jackson, Jaron Jackson Jr. Yeah. Uh, do you see those three as kind of the core that that everything else will be built around moving forward? Yeah. No. Yeah. And uh, I'm real excited about it. Yeah. That's I awesome. Mean, like those th- those those three guys on their rookie year deals for the next couple seasons. It's it, it's a travesty that there aren't any good free agents available this summer. Uh, or, or like the Grizzlies will be low in the pecking order in 2021, probably. But those three guys being probably the Grizzlies' three best players starting maybe next year. I mean, you can throw in that like Jonas Valanciunas is like a better overall player. But those three guys are so good and on their rookie contracts. And you know this as a Thunder fan, you know, having when you draft you get lucky in the draft several years in a row and you can pile up good players, then you can, you know, you, you can fill in around that. And so I think right now Memphis fans are hoping they can have a similar run like like Oklahoma City had where they were really, really good for however long it was. Like that that's however like six years of like being elite, you know, you can make the Western Conference Finals because you nailed the draft that many years in a row. Definitely. Yeah. And it feels like that's the direction that that the Grizzlies are headed. Speaking of, you know, the the 2020 class of free agents not being very good, and and uh, I, I have a feeling that Memphis is kind of like Oklahoma City in in free agency um, aspects, where again, not high on the pecking order. Um, probably not going to build your team through free agents like like right. the Lakers and and the Clippers and and new the New Yorks and the Miamis. Speaking on that though. Besides Andre Iguodala, which is an interesting case study, uh, are there vets like Jay Crowder, like Jonas Valanciunas, that that you think have a chance of getting shipped out by February? I think the Grizzlies are in a situation where they're going to listen to everything, and I would assume that you know if if there's salary that needs to be matched. That that almost anyone who aren't the guys that we mentioned that 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 elite core three and then maybe D'Anthony Melton are possible to be moved. I think Jay Crowder would garner interest from a lot of teams. I've been told um, a couple times that like he isn't really available, but I don't know if I believe it. Um, I've been told like they turned down a trade for him in the like in the preseason. But I, I mean, if I'm running the Grizzlies, I would trade Jay Crowder just to get an asset. I'm not I'm not as asset crazy as like some fans are where like I will trade just anything for an asset. I think there is value in having veterans who can play around, especially if you already know 
like if you already feel confident that you have three very good young players that you're building around, which the Grizzlies have, so now that we know we have Clark, you know, Jackson, and Morant, all right, we don't need to go as nuts on like getting as many second round picks as we can by like selling off all the players they currently have. But I think building a culture, there is value to that in the NBA. And so if Jay Crowder can provide that, maybe, maybe they won't trade him. But, um, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if like, if, if, if there's an opportunity for the Grizzlies to bring in a decent asset or a young player with upside, if they would part with, you know, the salaries of Solomon Hill, uh, Josh Jackson, who has an $8 million salary, which could be useful in salary matching purposes or Jay Crowder, um, you know, and obviously Andre Iguodala. Yeah, very good, very good. I totally forgot Josh Jackson is with Memphis. Uh, he's, not, the, he's not with Memphis. Yeah, been but down the G League, yeah. <laughs> right, right, yeah, he's on the roster. Been down in the G League, not showing up to meetings. Right, that's, uh, that's what I hear. <laughs> awesome. Well, hey, Keith, if you don't mind, we have a few Twitter questions here that I wanted to burn through before we let you go okay. uh, about this game. Uh, the first one comes from at, is this Batlin Rise, B-A-T-T-L-I-N Rise, uh, he's got two questions. Number one, if you had to put $10,000 on whether Jaw wins an MVP in his career, what is your answer? Um, so, Keith, you, you put money on Jaw winning an MVP? Wait, wait. So I guess I have to either put $10,000 on him doing it or him not doing it? Correct. Okay, that, that makes more yeah, sense. Yeah, apparently um, your bet doesn't pay off for a really long time, like 15 years until draw, right, Jaws done. Right, right. Like, like <laughs> if I have to do it, I guess I have to do it. What's No. Yeah, if I have to choose uh, no MVP or MVP, I you know, probability I'm going to go no MVP. You know, like... I don't know. Like Steve Francis had like a four-year run. I, I hope uh, I hope John Morant is better than him. You know, I feel like Russell Westbrook. You know, that's like the goal to win one. But it's hard for my brain to process a, a Memphis Grizzlies player winning uh, an MVP. Um, I mean, I guess technically uh, John Morant could leave us for the Lakers. You know, in like f you know four or eight years and win it. But uh, odds are, I'm going to say no. You know, not that many people win MVPs. So I yeah, guess winning MVP is hard and. And right, winning right. winning MVP in uh, I, I guess this is my maybe my biased opinion winning MVP for Jaw in his career when he's twenty when Luca is also twenty uh, maybe a challenge oh, yeah. as well. It's gonna, um, it's gonna be tough. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A second question from Rise is not suggesting this, but if the Thunder were to try and upgrade their current roster to be an even more competitive team, what type of player would you be looking for? So I know you don't watch a whole lot of Thunder basketball. So I'm yeah. after seeing tonight, I'm interested in, in your opinion on if the Thunder had to upgrade somewhere to to make a playoff push. Where do you think they should upgrade at? Um, it seems like you and a lot of other teams need a more consistent like uh, sh shooting guard who can score. Um. Maybe you or, or like a small forward who can provide offense. I'm trying to think of who the the prototypes are because like you have a good thing going with Chris Paul and and, uh, and Shea Gilders Alexander. Like who's a three who fits in great with that? Like if you're keeping Gallinari, um, that's I don't where know. I was. That's where yeah. I was going as well. Is is a three right? Because right now they're playing Terrence Ferguson at three who. Uh, traditionally, I think for the long term in the league, he's going to be a two. He's going to be a bigger body two at six seven. Uh, but I, I just don't think Ferg uh, has the offensive output uh, or really the body to to play at the three in the league. So I'd be with you that if they wanted to upgrade, which they're not, the the Thunder yeah. are not in in the market to bring in a guy 
to to help them win games. They're more in the market of trading away the guys they have uh, to start to lose games. I, I, have, a, I, have, a, I have a question, Jacob. This, okay. This is, the, this is the thing I want to know about the Thunder. You, All right. You, you said earlier when like, you were talking about uh, Baisley, you know, like that the Thunder aren't really in the market to win for like four years. I, I want to know why. Like you guys are uh, right now, if the season ended, you know, you're in the playoffs. You have Chris Paul, you have Daniel Gallinari, you have Steven Adams. These guys are good. You have Shea Gilders Alexander, who's a young guy. You have a bevy of picks um, because of the Paul George trade. W- what is so good? Like, you're not going to lose enough to get to the top of the lottery this year. You're going to have to get real lucky to get a high pick. Like, what? Why wouldn't you just try to be sort of good? Can you so, trade? Uh, can, can you trade? I'm just thinking uh, Andre Robertson for Trevor Ariza. This is simple. That might not even take a pick. Just a yeah. straight up swap. So, anyway. so I, I think a lot of people have that same thought that you just asked, and and my response would be that uh, it's a. I, I feel like I at this point I could write a, a goddamn dissertation on this. Yeah. Um, but I I think that the Thunder w- with those draft picks, um, they are interested in in building another team like the Westbrook Durant Harden team uh, through the draft that has sustainability that can be around for eight to 10 years again. Uh, and, and they get that through the draft. And th- so they have a massive amount of draft picks. The thing is that they can't control where those Clippers picks and where those Houston picks end up, whereas they can control where their own picks end up. Yeah. Um, and, and so I don't think guys like Danilo Gallinari, Dennis Schroeder, Chris Paul, uh, maybe even Steven Adams are, are long for here. Um, especially Sam Presti, general manager, put an op-ed in the local newspaper uh, back in July after all the trades went down uh, with phrases like, this team is going to have to rebuild uh, through playing, quote, the empirical odds, which is just very clearly a uh, a statement about <laughs> winning, winning the draft lottery, right? Uh, yeah. Sam Presti was one of like two or three GMs that was adamantly opposed to uh, the changing of the draft lottery odds where they evened out the top odds. Um, and, and again, because th- they're not a free agent destination. And and I don't think they're in the market of, you know, they could package some picks together and maybe go get, um, you know, I don't know, like a, an Andrew Wiggins or a Tobias Harris or, or someone of that nature. But those guys in three years, whenever their contract is up and they're a free agent, the, the Thunder have no control over those contracts. Where with those rookies, you have them for four years, then restricted free agency. You can sign them for another five years. So you're looking at nine years with those guys. I think that's more the route this team uh, is looking to take, especially from from comments made by Sam Presti that just kind of seem he's pushing the team in that direction. Yeah. Um, Sounds like you know, th- gotta... this team is used to mediocrity the past three years. Like maybe fans don't want to admit it, but three first round exits in the past three years with Russell Westbrook, Paul George, Carmelo Anthony, Victor Oladipo, guys like that all on this team in the past three years, and they haven't made it out of the first round. Uh, I don't think the the ownership or the front office um, is interested in quick fixes. I think they're more interested in playing the long game and kind of like what you mentioned with Memphis getting lucky in the draft uh, for a couple of years, getting high picks for a couple of years, packaging some of those picks from from the Clippers and Houston and Miami to move up in the draft to target guys in the top five and, um, and, and rebuild the roster that way. 
Well, I, th I think it's important to remember that the Grizzlies did not do those things that Sam Presti is laying out. The Grizzlies tried to make the playoffs two years ago. Last year, badly, literally were trying to make the playoffs. And both years, they were terrible. Uh, one year, they had one of the worst records. Last year, they got lucky and jumped up from the, the, well, the nine spot uh, to get John Morant. So I I'm more of a, it's all luck. Like it's all luck, yeah. and you and you look at like like uh, the teams who haven't done it, like uh, Denver and Milwaukee and Toronto. Like those are good teams right now. It, it, the teams that completely bottom out, like the Sixers. Yes, like it sort of worked for them, um, but like they they might be at their franchise peak right now, as far which like is is maxing out at like a, a conference final. So I'm more of the uh, just just play the games. Like if you have a good team, win games. Like don't give up future assets to to trade in anything. But you guys are set up well with future assets because of the Paul George trade. You can enjoy some wins now. You can enjoy some wins next year. And hey, you finish you know ninth, tenth worst team. Great. Maybe you get lucky, or maybe you draft Giannis with the seventeenth pick. Maybe you draft Paul George with whatever he was. He was you know yeah. he, he, he was he wasn't that high of a pick. Or you get a Kawhi Leonard. Um, or you trade George Hill and you get Kawhi Leonard and Davis Bertans, um, <laughs> and they were in the same trade I found out recently. But oh, <laughs> I didn't even realize that. That's that's incredible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. So yeah, no. But I think this year is a is an interesting transition year for the Thunder, where the Thunder are not in a tanking position right now with with Chris Paul, with Danilo Gallinari, with Stephen Adams, with Dennis Schroeder. Uh, that they're not going to be able to tank this year, right? And and I so I think the the really bottoming out comes comes in a year or two um and, and from you know this is the first year as a as a fan that i've really dove into the draft uh really early on because in the past i'm used to the thunder selecting 24th 25th 26th overall and this year you know there's there's a pretty significant chance that they're going to be drafting in the lottery so i've been interested in some of these prospects and it seems like the the overall uh feeling for this draft class is eh Maybe, maybe there's some guys that'll, that'll end up being really good. Um, so I think the Thunder aren't too worried about uh, tanking and, and maximizing their own draft pick this year. Whereas I think uh, in the next couple of years, that might be probably their, um, their goal is, is to max out their own draft pick and, and get it as, as high up in the lottery as possible. So yeah. uh, it's, it, it's an interesting balance. And, um, you know, I, I think that's what makes, the NBA so fascinating is is that each team really has a different idea of team building and a different idea of of how to go about that. Um, I think the Thunder and Memphis maybe are are somewhat similar because of geography and uh, and market size, whereas you get uh, out to the coasts, you know, and and the idea for building out there is uh, is completely different. It's it's a really fascinating kind of a uh, kind of discussion and and discourse as far as the the different paths people take to all try to end up at the at the same location at the end right sounds like you and uh you and presti have a case of dunked on brain but, <laughs> sorry maybe maybe a little <laughs> bit yep um all right well so i promise you 20 minutes we've gone 32 uh any any final thoughts on this thunder versus memphis game before i let you go keith no, just uh, just I'm disappointed that the Grizzlies uh, couldn't couldn't close the gap on the playoffs. We're ready to make the playoffs. We can give our pick to Boston. Let's make the playoffs. You you can have our lottery spot. Let's do it. There you go. Hey, um, I I I've been to some of our listeners' uh, 
um, dismay. I've I've kind of been on the tank train, so uh, I'll <laughs> take the lottery pick. I'm all right with the lottery pick. Awesome. Well, Keith, thank you so much for coming on to chat this game with me and some Memphis basketball. Uh, I really appreciate you taking the time out of your evening. For those of you who are listening, make sure you go check Keith out. Uh, he has two pods, uh, Fast Break Breakfast and Grits and Grind. Uh, so go search really wherever you download podcasts. Get on both of those. Also, follow him on Twitter. Uh, Keith, it is at Fast Break Break. Is that yeah, correct? That's correct. Awesome. Uh, they do some awesome, awesome stuff. Whether it's him and, and him and a few other guys that run that Twitter account. So go give them a follow. Uh, and Keith, thank you again so much for coming on with me, man. Hey, I appreciate it, Jacob. Hey, have a good one. Hey, just wanted to give one more quick shout out to Keith for coming on the pod tonight. Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed it. I know it's a little bit different than our original post game podcast. So, uh, but I thought it was good. Uh, I hope you thought it was good as well. Make sure you follow Keith. Thunder again, come back from 24 down, beat the Memphis Grizzlies 126 to 122, and another incredible, crazy, stupid game. And we will be right back at it again Friday night when the Phoenix Suns and Devin Booker come to town to take on the Oklahoma City Thunder. We'll be back with you with a post-game podcast after that and then a special Christmas-themed podcast next Monday morning right before Christmas. So thank you guys, and as always, Thunder Up. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.